Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. For all these years that I've been doing the pet show, one of my interests is finding exposure through this radio show to promote benefits which animal shelters have throughout the course of a year. We'll talk about a couple of those. She is a friend of this radio show and also very much a friend to all dogs and cats, head of development and community relations at Orphans of the Storm, Sandy Delisle. Welcome back to WGN. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me again, Steve. Always a pleasure. 95 years. You don't even seem that old. Well, no, I guess it's not you. It's Orphans of the Storm that's (laughs) been around for 95 years. And, you know, the Anti-Cruelty Society of Chicago is about to celebrate a bigger anniversary, 150 years. Can you imagine? But while they were the first shelter, animal shelter, in Chicago, and their focus, by the way, back then was on horses, Orphans came along as the first in the suburbs. In fact, the suburbs were barely considered the suburbs back then. It was kind of swampy, wasn't it? It was. We were considered out in the country back then, but now we're super easy to get to. We're right off of 94, so listeners can easily find us. We're a hop, skip, and a jump from Chicago. With a lot of dogs and cats to adopt out, which I want to talk about, what would you say... Orphans of the Storm is best known for. So aside from our longevity, which, as you mentioned, we are just approaching our 95th anniversary, I think that there is just this nostalgic feel about our organization. As we have prepped for our 95th, we've had folks come to us and share just the most heartwarming stories about how when they were a child, their parents brought them there, they adopted their first family pet from us, and then they returned as adults and subsequently adopted their children's first pet. So just this sense of intergenerational adoptions and um, just nostalgia around the organization just makes it so special to be a part of. Well, I want to talk about a something that's going on right now, not only in the Chicago area, but all over the country, and that is a combination of factors. And I suppose you'll tell me, but even where you are, which is compared to some places somewhat affluent in general, you know, there are people, of course, of all income levels, uh, but you wouldn't expect there to be housing issues, but around the country, and I think even where you are, that is the primary reason why there are, frankly, too many dogs and cats right now in the shelters. The other is not that people adopted and are giving up pandemic puppies left and right, as the media has sometimes portrayed, but rather simply the fact that in 2020 through through 2021, Uh, People went crazy adopting animals. How wonderful is that, right? But now it seems that everyone who wanted a dog or a cat has gotten a dog or a cat. Can you comment on those things? Steve, I definitely agree with your take on what has been happening. I feel like folks who were in the market for adopting, particularly dogs in our case, they did it during the pandemic. So now we're just going to have to wait a little bit until 
people come of age to adapt or folks are ready to adapt again. So, yes, we're definitely experiencing a lull in the number of dog adoptions. Cats, however, are hard to keep at our shelter. Great. <laughs> it's amazing. They are. Wow. Yeah, it's not uncommon for us to adopt out 12 cats in a day. So, happy for cats. We just got to get some more dog adopters. <laughs> Well, I don't know what you're doing right with cats because other shelters aren't necessarily experiencing the same thing. That's unless you're talking about the 12 cats going to the same person, which would be a problem. But I don't think you are. That would be a problem, and that is not the situation. No, no, of course not. So uh, I want to talk about the housing issues because you wouldn't think that the vast array of North, Northwest, and uh, North Shore suburbs that this shelter primarily, of course, you can go anywhere or come from anywhere and visit Orphans of the Storm, but primarily that's greatly who you service. You wouldn't think there would be housing issues, but in fact, there are, and there are economic issues, I believe, and I want you to talk about that. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. You're absolutely right. There are economic issues. We have one young man we are working with now who adopted his dog from us several years ago, and he ran uh, upon some rough times financially, so he was no longer able to keep his dog. He is absolutely devastated. We are holding on to his dog for him. We are going to hopefully be able to reunite him with his dog. He's back on his feet about six weeks later, and we're hoping for that um, happy reunion next Friday. So we are definitely willing to work with people and help people through a crisis that they may be encountering because we believe in keeping people and pets together for sure. So hopefully that will happy reunion will happen soon. And then the other thing that we see as far as people needing to relinquish their pets is those uh breed restrictions. Mm. That happens, unfortunately, quite a bit. Um, So that's something that we have been having to contend with as well. Are you talking about breed restrictions, not for communities, I I don't think? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm thinking of one... I'm talking... Sorry, I can be more specific. I'm talking about specific apartment complexes or landlords who are renting homes who do not want to rent to certain breeds of dogs. Right. So what they do is they choose always, it seems, a dog they call a pit bull. And you and I know that a dog that looks like a certain, like a blocky head and the ears are back and can weigh anywhere from really 30 pounds up to 75 pounds. I mean, that varies. It varies so much because they're really mixed breed dogs when you do the genetics. Okay, but they're they're disqualifying that dog because it has a certain look. And I know you have strong feelings about this. And also, by the way, I don't know when it goes into effect, but there's a law now that Representative Mayfield, I believe, and we've had her on the radio, and it has passed. You know Lady Van Cavage. You could pick up the phone yourself and call her. But there is a a law. She's with Best Friends. She is their uh, senior legal analyst or some such title uh, and a legend in animal welfare. But there's actually a, yeah, there's a law in Illinois that either is about to go into effect or, or, or has that says, no, you can't do that anymore. Um, but it is still a problem and uh, it needs to be 
addressed and better understood because there is no science behind the notion that a certain breed of dog is going to be more difficult. And some just say, okay, any dog over 30 pounds. Uh, And that doesn't make sense either. In fact, I'm going to get letters about this, email, I'm ready for you. That's the, li- <laughs> it's the little dogs that tend to bark a little bit more that disturb the neighbors, if we're talking about apartments or condos in general. Uh, and those bigger dogs are actually a crime deterrent. Yet they often say no bigger dogs. And if, you know, if landlords are, uh, I'm sorry, if renters are irresponsible, and I want to talk more about this after the break, there's all kind of rules, whether it's a condo association or your landlord has rules that if you put trash in the hallway, uh, you're fined or whatever. It is. Well, it should be the same thing if you don't pick up after your dog, right? You just have to be responsible. Uh, it's, it's a shame that landlords and uh, HOAs are still doing this. But as I said, the law is saying you got to change that soon. We'll talk about all of that and also a movie a film. She's gone Hollywood. And we'll talk about that when we come back with Sandy Delisle, who has also an announcement about their big benefit. There's a lot to do when we come back on WGN. Steve Dale back with Sandy Delisle from Orphans of the Storm, a legendary animal shelter in Chicago. And I was giving a long and boring speech, Sandy, before we left for the break uh, about, about breed bands and how Some HOAs for condos and for renters, some landlords are saying any dog over a certain weight or any dog that looks a certain way. And you're saying that really is still a problem despite changes in laws uh, where you happen to be. That's right. Yes, unfortunately, that is the case. So hopefully we can utilize this new law to uh, figure out how to help these folks moving forward. Yeah, and the question is how to implement that, because, of course, police are not going to be knocking on every door saying, can I read your HOA guidelines or your your guidelines to the people who rent from you? You know, that's, that's not, right. yeah. So, so there's got to be a way to figure this out. Uh, so we've got the law now, let's implement it, because it really, truly, and I want you to talk about this a little bit, because I know you do have strongly feelings about this, uh, that it is unfair and there's no basis for prejudicing, which is what it is. It's profiling, really, uh, based on breed. That's right. Yeah, so for me personally, it's become such a an important thing that I went ahead and wrote a movie and produced it that actually addresses this issue. It's a feature comedy film, so... It's definitely uh, focused on entertaining, but I also wanted to send a message at the same time about the importance of rescuing dogs and also considering dogs who are perceived to be pit bulls with those blocky heads and muscular bodies as good family pets. So that's an underlying theme of the movie You're Out. Yes, which is uh, doing really well. Hold it, hold it, hold it. You said the name of the movie is what? I think you can say it better. You're out! How's that? That's so much better. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's, and I'm honored to say I have a very, very small role in this movie, uh, but appropriately, I play a police officer who takes bribes 
and gives the money to an animal shelter, uh, which was just, yeah, it was so much fun to do. It's typecasting, I suppose. But this movie (laughs) is available pretty much everywhere via whatever streaming service. That's right. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Apple TV, Dish, DirecTV. It's uh, pretty easy to find online. Yeah. Uh, So... Uh, it's a road picture is what they used to call it back in the day with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, right? The the two guys would get in the trouble and they'd go off somewhere to do it. Uh, and they'd bring, uh, what was her name? Uh, Dorothy L'Amour. This is way before your time, I'm sure, Sandy. They'd somehow bump into Dorothy L'Amour. She was always there. I think it was Dorothy L'Amour. And the three of them would have escapades. And and this is kind of that movie, except instead of Dorothy L'Amour, there's a dog. Tell us a little about the movie. Yeah, so it is two dads take their 17-year-old sons on this wacky cross-country road trip with the purpose of getting them recruited by a Division One college baseball team. Uh, one of the dads is pretty much living vicariously through his son, trying to get him into Major League Baseball. And along the way, they find this loose dog who they try to find his home. They're unable to do so, so they end up adopting him. And as I mentioned, he just happens to be a beautiful, blocky-headed pitbull-type dog who is a real-life Chicago rescue dog. Yeah, even better. Uh, And this movie, as I said, is available all sorts of different places. You don't know what I'm talking about when I said the Bob Hope and Crosby movies, do you? I'm not familiar with this, but I'm going to check them out because I want to see this now. <laughs> they are, that's what all, the, they started the whole road. It was Road to Morocco, Road to Zanzibar. There were like four or five of them. Uh, and they had maybe great fun making them, but we certainly had great fun watching them. And it seems like they had great fun making them. Legendary films, uh, yours available on all sorts of streaming services. You have a website to tell you how to get there, right? Yes, it's youroutmovie.com. And right on that homepage, we'll tell you how to watch it. Okay, so tell me about a big benefit, an anniversary gala coming up for Orphans of the Storm. Yes, we're so excited to celebrate our 95th. So we are going to be gathering at Independence Grove, which is a beautiful venue in Libertyville, on October 13th. It's a Friday, so lucky Friday the 13th for us, and it will be from 6 to 10 p.m. We are accepting guests until probably about October 10th. So depending upon when this airs, there may still be tickets available. We would love to have folks come out. We have a fun Roaring Twenties theme in honor of our founder, Ms. Irene Castle. And there'll be a three-course dinner, a live jazz band, signature speakeasy cocktails. It's going to be a roaring good time. A roaring good time from the Roaring Twenties. How can people learn more about it? they can go to our website, which is orphansofthestorm.org. And this includes, this is very important to me, this includes dinner, and I suppose there'll be an auction as well to raise money. And you know what? Uh, Orphans of the Storm, aside from adopting out and providing care for the animals before they get adopted out, which is 
often necessary, medical care, uh, sometimes behavioral care. There are education programs that I know Orphans of the Storm has been doing for a very long time. One of the originators of going into schools, talking about animal welfare, having people come to Orphans of the Storm, uh, children, to talk about those same sorts of things. It's a great organization. It is legendary in the country, in part because it's been around for so very long, certainly legendary in the Chicago area. Uh, I know that, I, I'm not sure if he was the co-founder, uh, if Dick was the co-founder, what his title was, uh, but uh, a great man who did so much uh, for this organization, uh, who I remember. And uh, Sandy, I thank you very much for your commitment to animal welfare, and I hope people check it out. Give me the website just one more time. Sure. Orphansofthestorm.org. All right, very good. Uh, Sandy Delisle from the movie You're Out! And also has this other job, Head of Development Community Relations at Orphans of the Storm. Sandy, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. It's called The Link, and let me explain what that is. That is the link between violence to animals, or animal abuse, and domestic violence, or violence happening within a household, generally to children, or a female in the household, though not always the female, typically that's the case. And there really is a link. Law enforcement actually uses that terminology. They know what that is, that there really is truly a connection. I mean, you've heard something about this, right? That uh, people that murder other people are likely to have committed a violent act toward an animal at some point in their life. Well, there is a connection between all of that, which is why we're talking about it on a pet show, but also uh, because this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we'll talk about all of that with Dr. Kurt Venator. He is the Chief Veterinary Officer at Purina. That's next week. Charlie Propsom has been on this radio show 7,812 times or something like that. It's Well, I've known you a long time, and also you have a very important role in Chicago, founder of Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control. Give us a little of the history and tell us what Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control is. I started volunteering with Animal Care and Control Back before they even allowed volunteers. (laughs) And um, it was just a sort of a fluke thing that I ended up out there and saw the need for uh, a great deal of help. At that time, only about uh, 4% of the animals were making it out alive. And... um, a, a new director so, I'm, came on I want to stop you here. Four uh-huh. percent yep. of the animals made it out alive. And even right. with the difficulty now right. to show people how far we've come in Chicago, which is still too often, in my view, criticized, I don't know what the latest numbers are because they've declined Uh, And we'll talk about that. It has to do with housing issues. It has to do with the economy overall uh, and the same old issues that people have always given up their animals and that it seemed during the pandemic everyone who wanted a pet got a pet. So people aren't in need anymore. So on both ends of that pipeline, there's a problem. More animals coming in and fewer animals going out. It's not anyone's fault per se. Uh, but 
I don't know if you know that percent, but today... I don't know what the current percent is, but the last time that I had a number, it was around 90% of the animals were being saved. Right, and that's the number I had in mind, too. So even if it's gone down a couple of percentage points, and I hope it hasn't, of course... Yeah. That's way different than it was. <laughs> Not Absolutely. even had com- yeah, no comparison. So how did we get in what is it? How many years are we talking about in time span? Uh like 25 years. Okay. So in 25 years, how did we get from 4% getting out with positive outcomes to 90%? And that percent by the way has even been higher than 90%, which means Yes. If you look at the data, if it is 90% or more, it's no-kill city, Chicago, you know? (laughs) I mean, despite what anybody says, and it might not be 90% at the moment, how did we get from there to where we are now? Um, Actually, it was the determination of a lot of people fighting for change, and when I was involved in those early days, they, the city had just hired Dr. Gene Mueller yes. as the director. He was a veterinarian, and he was the first veterinarian to head up animal care and control. Um, we won't talk about the person who had it up for 16 years before then, but, I mean, Gene took up the the... Um, what do I want to say, a sword, banner, something to make change. And he was charged with that. He had the support of the city. And he went in just doing what came naturally to a veterinarian. He started um, uh, working with breed rescue groups. I remember days when I'd go out there and there'd be four or five York. Yorkshire Terriers, young, beautiful dogs available for adoption that were going to be put to sleep unless somebody came and adopted them. Jean saw the opportunity, started talking with breed rescue groups, um, Rottweiler rescue groups, uh, you name it. He talked to anybody who would come in. And suddenly, like, I think it took six months for him to drop the euthanasia rate in half. Wow. It was amazing. He also made it possible for volunteers to work there. Up to that point, there were no volunteers allowed at animal care and control, which just seems wacky. Yeah. And by the way, it was uh, Dr. Mueller. So I was, I must say, instrumental in part because of WGN Radio uh, giving us the platform for me to talk about it. But uh, instrumental in then rewriting the Animal Care and Control, uh, the Animal Control Act for the city of Chicago, which has since been added to and changed appropriately because things change over time. But, boy, we made some significant changes back then. And it was uh, Gene Mueller, uh, absolutely, I am glad you mentioned his name. I am glad because he merits the credit. I believe he is in Washington State, if I remember right. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. he is. So he's still around, and we've had a variety of different directors over the years, but all all moving toward one goal, and that is more animals being adopted out. Do the best you can so fewer get in, which I think has been the most difficult part. Now, the good part is spay-neuter. 
That's happened yeah. in Chicago. I mean, it can still still happen more, of course. And many facilities uh, offer low cost spay neuter, which is a wonderful thing. But it's yeah. more than that. It's it's about attitude in part. But I would argue, and you tell me your experience with this, most people who have a pet don't want to give up their family member. It is economic situations, other sorts of things that kind of push them to do that. This is true. I mean, I've seen people crying with their animals in hand at animal care and control. They are compelled to give them up. They can't afford food for their families, let alone for these animals. And it's like, well, then why do they take on these animals? Largely what you see there are people from poor neighborhoods where animals are kind of handed off. Oh, my cat had kittens. Oh, Sally down the block said she'd take two, you know, and that's how they acquire them. It's There's not a lot of thought going into how am I going to support this animal. The thought goes into saving that animal, saving a neighbor the, the headache of what to do with a litter of puppies or kittens um, or with, you know, an animal that they can no longer take care of. My own dog came from a 93-year-old woman who just simply couldn't handle her anymore. Hmm. So, you know, it, it's a lot of reasons that people give up their pets and they're not happy doing it. Of course, uh, but I think there's a misconception about that, that these animals are all damaged goods, and that is certainly not the case. I want to talk when we come back after the break about how Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control came about, and something that I often give a speech about, I will again, and that is a misconception that people have about animal care and control, not only in Chicago, but municipal facilities all over the country. We'll do that when we come back on WGN. Charlie Propsom is the founder of Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control and has been a friend to animals for a very long time in Chicago. Charlie, you're absolutely amazing for what you've been able to do. I want to talk about what Friends is and what you've been able to do in a moment. I want to talk about Chicago Animal Care and Control. It's a municipal facility. It's in law, actually, that if there's a stray animal, dog or cat, that's where, well, stray any animal, really, uh, including potentially an alligator, right? That's where that animal, that's where that animal is directed to. This is the agency responsible for that animal. And uh, I don't know anyone that's ever worked at any municipal facility, not only in Chicago, but anywhere in the country, that has said, I want to apply for this job because I want to see animals euthanized. In fact, quite the reverse is true. There are animal lovers that work at this rather not paid enough money job. No one takes this job because they don't love, of course, they love animals. They want to see these animals adopted out. They want to see, well, they are there, the best care for them, given the finances are that are available to do that. Uh, and then people look at the kill numbers, called that, in part because no-kill facilities say, these are, this is what we do. Well, it's not comparing apples and apples, I don't believe. And I, I don't think that's 
fair. I don't think even that's the proper terminology. Uh, so, And there are lots of reasons why animals are euthanized. Sometimes it is because there is no more space, but that rarely actually happens in Chicago anymore. It is generally, anyway, for behavior reasons or medical reasons. I think there are so many misconceptions about all this that are perpetuated sometimes by others. Yes. Um, it's, it's damaging to the whole field of animal welfare to have such negativity um, spewed out. Um, animal care and control people are doing their damnedest to save as many animals as they can within the frame of the law. You know, they, they are bound by the constrictions of the laws that govern uh, anything to do with, like you said, stray animals or um, unwanted uh, abandoned animals. Um, and it's easy to say no kill. Steve, when, when I was first getting involved with animal care and control, I read the book on no kill. And it sounded great, and I thought there is hope we can we can do this. Um, but when you get people disparaging each other and each other's missions and activities, it, it it's just so destructive for the whole community. It doesn't get things done. Absolutely true, and I wanted to bring that up because there are people that just uh, there are just so many. Uh, there's misconceptions out there, and uh, I, I agree, of course, with everything you say. We need, in Chicago, Chicago Animal Care and Control, but Cincinnati needs their municipal facility. Houston needs theirs. Los Angeles needs theirs. Any city, anywhere. And they are run by governments that give them a budget. And it usually is not at the top of the budget line, you know? It's not animals that are number one here. So... Right. Tell me how Friends came about, and give me a couple of bullet points of some things Friends has done. We have about five minutes here is all. Okay. And I want uh, to talk about the benefit, too. So, Okay. Um, Friends came about because as I and other people I worked with started doing things for the shelter and more people's eyes became open to the needs at animal care and control, um, more people wanted to donate. They wanted to help out in any way they could. And um, what is sad is that if you give money to the city for animal care and control, the way the system works, and this is all legal, um, they're bound by legal um, structures within the city government, that money goes to the city budget, and the city uh, fathers figure out what, where their needs are greatest, and that's how they determine their budget. They don't determine their budget by who gave them a big wad of money for animal care and control. They just see that someone gave them a big wad of money. Oh, boy. Well, Streets and Sand is having some real issues, so we have to, you know parcel up more to them, and I use that just as a stupid example, but um, the money would not go directly to the animals. So we formed Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control so that any money given to us 
would be put against the needs of the shelter specifically. Animal care and control, not anybody else, not private groups, not missions of individuals to right some wrongs. We were working strictly with the needs of animal care and control. So you know if you gave a dollar to friends of animal care and control, you knew very well that that money was going to help the city's neediest animals. Exactly. All right. So we only have a couple of minutes here. I want to talk about Big Night. Can you tell me about it? Yes. Um, Big Night has been our annual fundraiser for almost 20 years now. We had a three-year break with um, uh, COVID. It shut our doors, and we couldn't do the event anymore. But we've got it going this year. We've got it on the calendar for October 19th. Invitations have gone out. You've gotten yours, right? Yes, 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 yes. Where, and- where's, where's this at? It is in the um, Fulton Market District. It's at a place called Room 1520, which is real handy to remember because their address is 1520 West Fulton Street. And there's plenty of street parking around there at night, I'm told. I've tried to park there during the day, and it's not fun. Okay. But, um, so, so again, night, again, this is called Big Night. It is based on a lot of different food that will be there as well, right? Well, actually, we in the past, Big Night was funded by um, restaurants that all contributed food to Big Night. This year, we do not have that. Restaurants are hurting pretty much, so mm-hmm. we didn't even ask. But um, we will have um, food from um, uh, uh, restaurant service, and um, there will be uh, some libations, okay. some drinky food. That's important. <laughs> What's most important, though, is this is your primary fundraiser. So it if, is. Yeah, if you want to help Chicago, Chicago dogs and cats, this is how you do it. It's called Big yep. Night. Uh, is there a website that people can go to to learn more? Um, yes, they can go to our fcacc.org website, and you will see Big Night listed there. You can read about it. For tickets, you can just call 312-224-1116. All right, I want to give that website one more time. Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control, FCA. CC.org. Uh, it's, uh, I've been going for years and years. This year, actually, I'm speaking out of town, but my wife will be there, and uh, Paul Lisnick, I think his name, he'll be there. And uh, Leanne Trotter from Channel 5 is the MC this year. So, most importantly, though, this is the way. This is the way to help Chicago animals. Uh, people say, and I understand, I can't do anything about the city budget. Well, you may not be able to have more money in the budget, go to animal control. But this is kind of a way around it. It really works. The money goes directly to animal care and control. Charlie Propsom, always good to talk to you. Thank you. Here's a beautiful story. It happened in Michigan not too long ago where a little girl's in the backyard, and by little I mean just over two years of age. She's not alone. She's with the family Rottweiler and the family English Springer Spaniel. And they're just playing and things are going fine. And mom and dad turn around at some point, they're gone. Mom and dad are frantic. They call the dog's names, but mostly the little girl's name. 
they can't find her. Now, this is a very large backyard, but clearly she's not in it. They go further and further away. They get some neighbors involved, still cannot find her. Finally, the police are called, and law enforcement, actually, this is interesting, uses drone technology to find the little girl. Five hours later, about three miles away from the house. I mean, they had quite a hike, didn't they, the three of them? I mean, this could be a movie or at least a reality show or something like that. Oh, how did they find it? Well, the little girl is like laying on the Rottweiler as a pillow, sound asleep, draped over the both of them as the English Springer Spaniel. Crazy. The little girl then gets up when the police find her and say, Ah, hi! (laughs) Not thinking or knowing, I mean, she's only two or just over two, that she did anything wrong. The dogs turned out to be her guardian angel. It's a nice story, I think. Imagine having a leisurely afternoon cocktail if you happen to live in Florida, in Cape Coral, in your backyard. You hear a voice say, Peekaboo! Turning around, Reed Swizer saw... Not a little girl or a little boy, but a parrot. He took the parrot indoors and posted it on Facebook. See, social media can do good things. It turned out to be a lost Solomon Island eclectus parrot belonging to a grateful nearby resident. We'll talk to you next week bright and early here on WGN.